Hello, everybody. Just before we begin this episode, let me mention the sponsor of Luke's English Podcast, and that is italki. Uh, if you want to get some lessons, if you want to get some English lessons, and you want to get that uh, with native English speakers, and you want to do it from the comfort of your own home, and uh, you want to get started right away, then um, you can check out italki. It's really good. Um, lots of uh, my listeners are already using it, and I'm getting some nice reports about how it's it's working out pretty well. Um, so go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk uh, where you can get started. Just check out, you've basically got three options, right? Option number one is you get uh, lessons with um, a qualified English teacher, right? And they've got loads of different teachers. You can choose by speciality. Some of them focus on business English, some focus on general English and stuff like that. Exams. There's all sorts of different things. You can use the search bar and select different you know, types of teacher. So they've got lessons with teachers. Then you you can just choose to talk to native English speakers. And they are, let's face it, they're they're less expensive. They're still native English speakers. Maybe you're the sort of person who, hey, you've got a good idea of what you want. You know, you just want a native speaker, an interesting person to talk to. You don't necessarily want guided lessons. You might just want to be able to chat to a native speaker like a few times a week, once, twice a week. It's up to you. Maybe you want to just have a coffee in the kitchen, stick on the laptop and chat with your friendly native speaker that you've found. And you can do that with italki and that's a bit cheaper. All right. Um, so that's option two. Option three is that you just explore the community of people who use italki as well. And you can hook up with um, like you can hook up with people who, who speak English. There may be English speakers out there who want to learn your native language. Let's say you're Spanish and uh, you, you know, you're willing to talk to people in Spanish too. You could set up a language exchange. That's the point. And you could speak uh, English with the uh, English person and then you spend some time speaking Spanish with them too. And in many cases, that's completely free. It's just up to you to organize it. But you, you've got like uh, forums and things where you can contact people and arrange that uh, too. And you might meet up with a few Lepsters in those forums Check it out, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. And when you make a purchase, uh, they'll send you a discount. They'll send you a voucher worth 10, 10, about $10. Okay, that's enough. That's enough um, stuff about italki. Um, but do check it out. Really good idea. Um, now, let's get started with the episode. Okay, so start the jingle, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke's English podcast. Can't okay, touch this. This is a masterpiece of the English language. All righty then. Just think of the accolades it's received over the years. Wait a minute. Who are you? I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Ooh, this is going to be good. Really? Yes. I want to get into it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke's English podcast. And this is Britain at its best. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. It's very nice to be back in your headphones or speakers. Uh, in the last episode of this podcast, I talked to you about some recent bits and pieces of news, such as, for example, the Elton Award nomination, my recent trip to New York, and some other stuff. Um, I also gave you a language task to keep you on your toes. 
and I'm going to continue along the same lines in this episode and I have a list of things here to talk about and we're going to continue also with the language spotting exercise more on that stuff in a moment um how are you are you all right you well how's your day going whether it's friday or or any other day of the week um how's it going all right um here it's well first of all in the weather is completely nuts completely insane weather i just came back from the cinema and um i walked you know i walked it's like 10 minutes from the cinema and um just what on earth is going on with the weather like all kinds of weather all in in just one 10 minute walk so i came out of the cinema bright sunshine like blinding sunshine you know like ah my eyes my eyes oh i'm okay you know that experience of coming out of the cinema so blinding sunlight and then i started walking i was like wait a minute what's this is that rain and then i realized yeah it was raining so even though there was this blinding sunshine there was also all this rain and i looked up at the sky and the sky was blue with little white clouds weird where's this rain coming from and it was pouring with rain and it was like the thick heavy raindrops pouring down and yet it was all sunny and the sky was blue and that was weird and i turned round i looked at the sky behind me and there was like this huge dark cloud in the sky um and that's where the rain was coming from i think it was raining sort of like a few hundred meters away but the wind was bringing the rain across and just raining it all on me um so that was weird and then of course it started the 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 thunder started and there was a a quick thunderstorm and there was this amazing that sound of thunder this rumbling which i always enjoy i always enjoy it when the there's a thunderstorm. I find it exciting and atmospheric and dramatic. Um, so it completely mad weather here, um, which is entertaining, if nothing else. Um, I wonder what it's like where you are. How's the weather? What's going on in the sky uh, where you are at this moment? Um, so yeah, I just came back from the cinema and I went to see the new Marvel film. I went to see Captain America Civil War um, and um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was really good, all right? That's not the most descriptive way I could des- describe that film. It was really good. Uh, I'll come back to that. I'm planning on talking about that in some depth later on. Maybe in this episode. Depends on how long I'm talking for. Uh, but anyway, that's the situation here. Friday afternoon, just seeing the new Marvel film. Insane weather. I'll talk more about the film in a bit. Just wanted to establish the context. Um so I'm, I'm going to go into all of the content of this episode in a moment. But first, I've got to respond. I have to respond to a couple of comments that have just arrived here on my website. Literally just in the, in the last few minutes. Um, so here's a comment from someone called Ab, Abens, Abensor. I'm not sure if that's the right way to pronounce your name. Abensor. And Ab, Abensor says, Hello, Luke. Your podcast is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nevertheless, oh dear. He said, nevertheless, could you please speak a bit faster? I guess you must lower the pace when you record your podcast, and it should be very interesting, or it, it, it would be very interesting to hear you with your natural English-speaking pace. Well, um, okay, fair enough. I do, I, maybe I speak a little bit, I don't know if I speak slower. I think I just try to speak clearly on the podcast. This is something that, I think about a lot, you know, it's like the speaking speed on the podcast. Should I be speaking fast or slow? <laughs> um, and um, 
okay. I pro- I probably try to speak clearly because you know I've got I've got to try and appeal to uh, people who are learning English. And if I speak too fast, then it's going to alienate those people. And if I speak too slowly, it's going to alienate the people who will feel it's patronising. So I don't want to obviously I don't want to sound patronising and speak too slowly. And yet at the same time, I don't want to speak too fast and alienate people who won't understand. And yet at the same time, this is. This is how I speak. I mean, it is pretty much how I speak. And that's it. I mean, I've been an English teacher for 15 years. And I think that's probably had an effect on the way that I speak now. And I've got this radio voice. Also, I mean, I am doing a podcast. And so to an extent, it's always going to sound a little bit like a radio show. That's just the nature of speaking into a microphone when there's nobody here. You know, there's no one else here. It's just me and a microphone. Okay, but Abensor, I will make an effort to try and speak, you know, at a natural speed, okay? This is pretty much my natural speed. I think naturally I will speak faster when I've got other people around me, especially if they're native speakers. And that way, you know, you speak faster because you're trying to get your point in into the conversation. Uh, You're trying to, um, you know, say what you want to say fast so that uh, other people don't interrupt you. So I think it's a balance on the podcast and when I have other people guests and stuff on the on the show like when I've got Amber and Paul here naturally the speed goes up because we all try and cram in as many words as we can and when I'm alone it might it might sound a lot like I'm speaking a bit more slowly but okay I'm going to just relax and I'll try my best to not think about it too much and just be normal okay so I'm um, this is me not thinking about it too much and just trying to be normal okay all right um, thank you for saying my podcast is fantastic. I appreciate that. And here we are. Here, here's my, here's me attempting to be normal. It's difficult to be normal, Abensor. When you're really thinking about it, um, it can be quite difficult to be normal. But uh, I'm going to do my best to be normal. I'm not saying I'm not normal, but you know what I mean. Another comment which arrived one minute ago from Jeremy, and Jeremy says, "By the way, I am a French listener as well." Ah. Good. I I think I said recently on a podcast that I don't have that many French listeners and I don't get many comments from French listeners. And I find that weird considering I'm living in France and I've been here for three years and I am, you know, part of French society and, uh, you know, I'm paying my taxes here and I'm not French. I'm not French, okay? Not, you know, obviously not French. I love the place, love the country. Nice cheese. Well done. The bread as well is excellent. Good job. Um... Uh, there's more to it than that. It's not just cheese and bread. Those aren't the only benefits of being here. There's obviously other things. Uh, the wine, for example. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that now. But um, Jeremy, you know, hello, welcome to the podcast, or at least welcome to the comments section of my website. Uh, it's it's nice to have you here. That's interesting, Jeremy, because I had a student in my in one of my English classes at the university this year whose name was Jeremy, and he's French. Hmm, interesting coincidence. I wonder. I wonder, are you the same person? Um, if you are the same person, then welcome. Welcome to uh, my podcast, uh, which I guess is a little different to the classes at university. Is it? Is it different? Only you can tell. Um, so, Jeremy, welcome. And here's another one from uh, a listener called Wesley. And this one arrived about an hour ago. This one's a bit longer, okay? And I felt like I should respond to it because... 
Um, well, let's see. Let's see what Wesley said. So Wesley said, hello, Luke and LEP listeners. It's with absolute delight that I received the news that Luke's English podcast has been nominated for the 2016 Eltons. And I genuinely believe other long term listeners share the same feeling. So the, these are the words of Wesley. OK, a listener. Um, and he goes on. He goes on to say the British Council and Cambridge English couldn't have a better candidate for the digital innovation category. Thank you, Wesley. Thank you for saying that. And then Wesley continues. He says, One thing that troubled me, though, was when Luke said it was unlikely that he could win. Um, Luke, I don't know if you're being far too English or just trying to be modest, but as I see it, you shouldn't take this defeatist attitude and underestimate yourself. As you said, Luke's English Podcast is a project that you've been working on for over seven years and it keeps getting better as time goes on. Because you're a kind-hearted person, thank you, because you're kind-hearted and you keep um, Luke's English podcast free, people all over the world listen to you. Your episodes have millions of downloads and are a complete success. Wow, thanks. I'm glad you think so. Um, and even though you're up against five other great nominees, I cannot conceive why Luke's English podcast might not be in the running for the award. And then Wesley continues with this flattering but... Um, well-considered point and he says Luke's English podcast is innovative because it allows learners to listen to genuine English rambling included and by the way by the way listeners the word is rambling when you just talk and you just keep going I think you know the definition of rambling I've been through that you just kind of talk and it seems to have no particular focus or direction it's just sort of uh, random talking um, rambling. I use the word sometimes to describe uh, the way that I just go on and on and on. Um, it's rambling. R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G. R-R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G. Rambling. And not rumbling because a lot of people write in comments, they, they, they write the word rumbling with a U. And it's not rumbling, it's rambling. Rumbling is another word. In fact, I used it in this episode. I've already used it in this episode because I said this, the a rumbling sound. And rumbling does describe a sound. It's like that kind of noise that you get with thunder that, that's in the distance, that kind of... That's a rumbling sound. Also, rumbling might occur, let's say, from a, I don't know, a vehicle, maybe a train, the sound of a train running um, slowly past uh, your house, that kind of... That's a rumbling sound. So that's rumbling. But um, on the podcast, I, I guess I do rambling. So R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G. Rambling is also another thing, rambling. And that's sort of walking in the countryside. Just walking through the countryside. That's also rambling. So speaking with no particular direction. And also walking um, with, I guess, walking through the countryside for pleasure is also rambling. So anyway... Back to Wesley's comment, he said, Luke's English podcast is innovative because it allows learners to listen to genuine English, rambling included, outside a classroom environment. Everyone who's reached a proficient level knows how important being in touch with the language is in order to learn it well. And Luke's English podcast is great because it enables uh, it enables us, I think that he, uh, to, he, it enables us to learn uh, natural English for pleasure or enables us to hear natural English for pleasure uh, and entertainment, or while doing housework, cooking and commuting to college. 
I'm not aware of any other equivalent English teaching resource that suits our busy lives just as well as uh, LEP. I believe any sensible judge on the panel will allow for all those reasons when they vote. I wish you luck and I'll keep my fingers crossed. All the best, Wesley. Thank you, Wesley. Thank you very much. Uh, that is really... A, a, I really appreciate the way you're sort of sticking up for me there after I may have been a bit modest and maybe even a bit self-defeating when I said that I, I didn't think the podcast would win the award. I don't know, thinking, now that I've read your comments and I've thought about it, I'm not sure why I said that. Maybe to an extent I'm being modest. Oh, I don't think the podcast will win. Maybe to an extent that's modesty or that's an English trait. I'm not sure. Um, I don't really, I can't really explain why I said that, but I just, I don't know, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. I suppose, oh, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do any soul searching at this moment. Uh, but I'm very glad that Wesley, as a as a lepster, that you sort of stepped in there and said to me, "Luke, don't don't have that attitude. Come on, stand up for yourself." All right, I will feel prouder now, and I, I appreciate the fact that you defended me there. Thank you, Wesley. Um, okay, all right. So let's get back to. Um, the episode, and I said that I would continue with that language task that uh, I set up in the last one. So that language task from the previous episode was um, basically to listen out for a few phrasal verbs and idioms that uh, I had taken randomly from a dictionary and which I tried to insert into my speech seamlessly. Okay, now you had to identify the ones that I'd added. The purpose of that. The purpose of this exercise is to encourage you to notice lexical items. I'm just encouraging you to notice vocabulary while you're listening. I think it's a good habit for a learner of English to try and be mindful and notice bits of the, you know, bits of vocabulary or grammatical forms or aspects of pronunciation or whatever when you're listening. Um, on one hand, you could just follow what I'm saying and just connect with the content of what I'm saying, but also you should try to notice features of the language that you're listening to. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Okay. So I chose five phrasal verbs and five idioms, and I managed to slip in, in the last episode, I managed to slip in just one of those phrasal verbs and two of the idioms. So I've still got, I've still got my list here of others that I need to slip into this episode. Um, so the ones that you heard in the last episode, do you remember? Do you remember what they were? There was the uh, phrasal verb to come up against something, like to come up against problems. I was talking about Leonardo DiCaprio coming up against all those difficulties in the film The, the Revenant, like a bear and ice uh, and uh, Tom Hardy. Those are just three of the difficulties he had to come up against. You should see the film if you like that kind of thing, a survival revenge films. You should see it. Um, so there was to come up against something. Also, two idioms. Uh, the one was to be on the edge of your seat. And that's, you know, when you're gripped or excited by something you're watching. Um, and the other thing was to get your knickers in a twist. Don't get your knickers in a twist, which is a fun expression, which just means don't get angry, don't get don't get angry, don't get upset. Uh, don't get your knickers in a twist. So to get your knickers in a twist is to get angry or upset, okay? Um, there, You might have noticed there were obviously plenty of other words in the last episode. Of course there, there were because it was over an hour and 15 minutes long. So, of course, there were loads of other words um, uh, and other specific bits of vocab which just cropped up in the episode, including 
ones like this. So there was to listen out for something and to watch out and look out for something, which are not too complicated in terms of their meaning, really. And also, do you remember the one that means to listen carefully? The idiom, I mean, that one was to keep your, to prick up your ears and also to keep your eyes peeled as well. So that's a selection of language that you heard in the last episode. But now, as we move forwards in this episode, I'd like you to just continue being mindful, continue trying to notice, and watch out for the four remaining phrasal verbs and three remaining idioms that I've written down on this piece of paper and which I will attempt to squeeze into um, this episode as well. Now, I'm not telling you what these phrases are in advance. It's up to you to try and identify them. You'll probably hear a few phrasal verbs and idioms that will just come out naturally. But see if you can identify which are the ones that I took from the dictionary. It might be obvious. It might, they, it might be really obvious where I'm obviously inserting uh, a phrasal verb into, the, into the, the conversation. I say conversation. Monologue. It might be obvious when I'm... It might be a bit clunky, like, there's the phrasal verb or there's the idiom. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if you can... Uh, uh, identify the ones that I'm squeezing in there. Okay. Um, okay, then. All right. So um, when we get to the end of the episode, I will tell you the phrases that I've included and I'll clarify them for you and explain them because I'm nice. Um, right. Topics in this episode. For some reason, I feel like I need, I, need a little, I need a little noise. I need a little jingle whenever I move from one thing to another, don't you think? So Let's do that. Let's do a little transition, okay? So, that's the language task. Watch out for those phrases and idioms. Let's now move on to the topics. Okay, so, um, topics. In this one, I'm going to carry on just talking about various subjects. I'm going to keep rambling on. What a surprise. Uh, including a couple of other anecdotes about New York, some comments about politics in the USA and in the UK at the moment, and some more stuff about movies, uh, eventually, I'll get on to talking about uh, Captain America Civil War and also various other bits and pieces that will just crop up as we go along. I've got no idea how long this is going to take. Of course, it could take it could take ages because I could I could talk the hind legs off a donkey this afternoon. I could talk the hind legs off a donkey. Bing. There's a there's an expression. Vocab hunters. By the way, that that's not one of the idioms. No, sorry, that's not one of the idioms, but it is an idiom. To talk the hind legs off a donkey means to, to be able to talk and talk and talk. You know, the hind legs of a donkey. I've done that one on the podcast before, haven't I? Anyway, let's let's just go over old ground again. Why not? Recycling. So, to talk the hind legs off a donkey means, to, as I said, to keep talking and talking and talking. Um, it's not really positive or negative. Could be used in a, in a pejorative sense or, or not. Um, the hind legs are the back legs. A donkey is an animal. It's a bit like a horse, but it's it's like a cheap horse. If you can't afford a horse, you get a donkey. Uh, you know what I mean? They, they, they're known for being stubborn. Um, here's a reference point. Jesus rode a donkey into Nazareth. All right? As, there you go, donkey. Oh, 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 that's a donkey. I'm not going to keep doing that donkey noise because I'll just make a fool of myself and I wouldn't want to do that now, would I? No. Anyway, so a donkey, you know that they're, they're known for being stubborn. Like if, if the donkey doesn't want to move, it's not going to move because they're stubborn, right? And the hind legs of a donkey, they will not move. 
So um, to talk the hind legs off a donkey means that you can talk so much that the back legs of a donkey, the legs which are usually so immobile, actually come off. So I could talk the hind legs off a donkey this afternoon because I'm feeling in the mood. But as ever, I will, if I just keep going on and on and on for forever, I will just divide the whole episode into several more episodes if necessary. Ultimately, it's all spoken English from me to you. So here we go. And I feel like it's necessary to have another noise there. Ultimately, it's all spoken English from me to you. So here we go. Well, that, that was kind of a serious one, wasn't it? <laughs> Seemed a bit serious. Okay, so um, first of all, some more anecdotes about time in, in New York. So, you know, I went to New York. Lucky me. Um, you know, paid for with vouchers. Um, so it's not like we're made of money or anything. All right. But anyway, we went to New York. And uh, okay, here are a couple of other anecdotes. I just realized that there were some things that I wanted to talk to talk to you about, which I missed out of the last episode. Um All right, so one thing, right, in Brooklyn, uh, as I said, it's a very multicultural place. There is one part of of Brooklyn which is a sort of... um, There's one part of Brooklyn in which uh, there's only one type of people that live in it. It's just really a few streets, a a, a small quarter of, of Brooklyn. I can't remember even which streets or what the name of that area is. Uh, If you've been there, you might know. But it's it's really interesting because we walked through it and it's it was so surprising because the whole area is full of um, Hasidic Jews, right? Um, Hasidic Jews. So uh, these are Hasidic Jews are just, I guess, a certain type of. Uh, that oh, what am I trying to say? Hasidic Jews belong to a certain um, kind of wing of the Jewish faith. Let's say it's a certain form of Judaism. Um, and you might know Hasidic Jews. They they tend to wear particular clothes and they have particular habits and they tend to just sort of live in their own communities. They they sort of isolate themselves a little bit from other communities. I mean, I, you know, whether I'm not saying whether that whether I agree or disagree with that. I've got I don't have an opinion on on the, their lifestyle. I don't know that much about their lifestyle. That's the thing. Um, all I know is that I'm a complete I'm a complete outsider in that world. Uh, as most people are, really, unless you're a Hasidic Jew yourself. Um, so, you know, fair enough. They, they, they have their own way of, of living. But the interesting thing is that when we walked through this area of Brooklyn, um, it was like walking into a different world. It was, for us, it felt really strange. Okay, so first of all, Hasid- the, the, all the people in the area... They have a particular look, so they they dress in you know sort of fairly somber clothing, uh, especially on I think it was a Saturday, I think we were there on a Saturday, and I guess it, that's a special day for them. And so a lot of people were out and about, going for little walks. They may have just been to the synagogue or something, uh, and so lots of people were out and about in the streets, all wearing this sort of black and white clothing, very simple dress. The men were wearing these incredible hats. I'm not sure what they're made of. I think they're made of hair, maybe horse hair or something. These large, round, circular hats. And they have particular kinds of hair, like these these sort of curly locks of hair that dangle down. Um, and um, the women are very modestly dressed as well. Um, and, uh, for example, they cover their hair. Some of them wear wigs in order to cover up their hair when they're outside. And everyone looks the same. 
It's incredible how uniform they all are. And that was very strange for us because it was like, I don't know, it just felt odd that everyone looked exactly the same. It was really weird. Um, And so we just had this weird experience of walking through this part of town and there were these groups of Hasidic Jews, like these little families walking around. It was like we'd entered the twilight zone or something. All the cars as well, all the cars were exactly the same kind of car. They were all people carriers and there were just these families who all looked identical and they all had like loads of children. Lots of them were twins. Lots of families with twins. I mean, how common is it to have twins? Just bizarre and funny for us because we just kept walking. We just kept, It was like we were walking along this the same street and we just kind of uh it's like we got taught, caught in a time loop and we were just walking down the same street again and again seeing the same people again and again and again really weird and anyway we got to sort of the end of this district and we ended up in the sort of hipster area of brooklyn again and we you know there were the cafes and the music shops and stuff and it was interesting because it's it's sort of like where the the hasidic jew community and the hipster community cross over and to an extent, they're kind of going in the same shops and stuff. So we walked past this music shop. And you know me, I'm a sucker for a music shop. There were guitars in the windows. I have to go in and just look at the musical instruments and play around with them if I can. So we walked in and um, it was a hilarious scene, right? Because there was this group of young guys and they were all Hasidic Jews, like sort of young maybe in their early 20s, late teens, these young guys in the full clothing with the hairstyles and everything. And they were like playing around with all the musical instruments. Like there was one of them on a synthesizer playing a playing with the synthesizer. And there was a guy on the drums. One of the, one of the Hasidic Jews was playing the drums there. And he was rocking out, like really, really going for it. He had the headphones on because it was an electronic drum kit. But he was like really going for it, sort of passionately going for the... I don't know what he was playing. He was playing some sort of uh, progressive rock symphony in his head. And... Um, and while the other guy was on the synthesizer, like that. And... Uh, I think one of them was playing like a percussion instrument and stuff. It was just the most amazing thing that I'd ever seen. And these guys needed to form, I mean, they were like the greatest, most awesome Hasidic Jew electro rock band that has ever existed. They were amazing. Um, And guys, if you're listening, which I doubt that you are, but if you are, then just make a video, please. Make a video, record an album, just get it out there. Okay, just get it, get that stuff out there. You're awesome. Okay, I just wanted to say that. Um, another thing that happened is we saw a comedian um, called Jack Whitehall. Um, we went to the Comedy Cellar again. Um, now, if you know anything about stand-up comedy, if you're a fan, then you have to know that the Comedy Cellar in New York, in the, the, the Greenwich Village area of Manhattan, is like the coolest place for stand-up comedy in the world at the moment and it's this little underground uh, club with wood panelled walls and a really nice authentic atmosphere uh, it's a really well run little comedy club it's not too big uh, the staff are very friendly and helpful they serve you know just standard sort of like american bar food and drinks and things 
And the standard of the comedy is excellent. I mean, they really know how to run a comedy venue. They've they've really set the place up so that it's a great place to see really good comedy. And the people who go there, you know, they're interested in seeing the, the acts. They're not just there for a night out. They're there because they appreciate comedy. It's a brilliant place to see live stand-up. The Comedy Cellar in Greenwich Village. And we went along. Didn't know who was going to be on the, on the stage. Last time we went there, two years ago... Um, we couldn't believe our eyes when uh, Louis C.K. took to the stage at the end of the night. He just, he wasn't on the bill. He just turned up and and got on the stage and did 10 minutes of his, his routine. Louis C.K., wow. Pfft, my brain exploded. That was two years ago. So we were hoping for something similar. This time we didn't get Louis C.K. Who? Louis C.K. or Chris Rock or Jerry Seinfeld or any of the other big names. But we did have a really good time and there were some fantastic acts. We saw people like uh, Jim Norton, who was hilarious, uh, and uh, Colin Quinn, who was also hilarious. And uh, we really enjoyed seeing uh, a British comedian called Jack Whitehall. Jack Whitehall is from, I think he's from Chiswick in West London, not far from where I used to live there. And he's a young comic and he's very, very famous in the UK, not so famous in, in the States. So it was really funny to see him take to the stage unexpectedly and deliver a, like 10 to 15 minute routine, which absolutely destroyed the venue. I mean, I say destroyed the venue. I mean that it was a huge success. It went down really, really, really well. I mean, he he absolutely brought the house down. Um, he was brilliant. He he told stories. He just told some really funny stories. He's a he's a very funny guy with uh, a really funny delivery, um, and he speaks with a fairly posh young person's accent. He's got sort of a posh sounding version of, of received pronunciation. He's hilarious. I, and I suggest that you check out Jack, Jack Whitehall. I'll, what I'll do, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll post a video of Jack Whitehall uh, on the page for this episode and you can see for yourself. But you should check it out because he's a very funny man. Watching it on video on YouTube is nothing compared to actually being there in the room when it's happening. The, uh, it was amazing. When comedy, when stand-up comedy is great, there's nothing like it. My wife, my wife, who's a big fan, she's a big fan of Jack Whitehall. She is now. Uh, she was absolutely in stitches. It's hilarious. When, like, okay, sometimes she doesn't get jokes, okay? You know, because English isn't her first language. Her language, her English is very good, but sometimes she doesn't get the jokes. And, you know, she's not like me. She's not a connoisseur of comedy. She's not sort of uh, uh, obsessed with stand-up like I am. And so sometimes I play her videos. I'm like, hey, you got to watch this. This is really funny. you got to see this. And she's like, what is that? Is that supposed to be funny? You know, she, bad moment. Um, but she loves seeing comedy in the venue because that's different. That's It's at its best in that situation. And I was delighted because she just was in stitches all the way through Jack Whitehall's performance. Um, so if you get the chance to check out Jack Whitehall at any ch at any time, do. He's a very funny guy. Um, also, I have to say, any music fans listening to this podcast, and I know that some of you are big fans of music, um, we went to the Blue Note um, Jazz Club, which is um, a famous and legendary jazz venue in New York. It's just around the corner from the Comedy Cellar. It's in Greenwich Village. And the Blue Note is a place that, I mean, it's legendary, really. Some of the greatest moments in... Some of the greatest moments in jazz uh, happened down at the Blue Notes. Uh, you know, in the golden age of jazz. 
all the great people have played there and it's been going for years and years and years and we booked ourselves in to to see a performance and i mean okay when i checked the website and i saw who was playing i immediately booked tickets for us because i knew it was going to be special and um okay okay so if you're a jazz fan you'll know the names of the people i'm going to mention basically it was a trio with uh, ron carter on bass billy cobham on drums and for the life of me i forget i forget the name of the other guy that's really bad that's really bad but you know he's he's he wasn't as well known as the other two i mean basically if you hear ron carter and billy cobham that's enough really and the the saxophonist it's bad that i can't remember his name because i feel like it's not fair on him obviously he's going to be devastated I heard on Luke's podcast that he forgot my name. That's not his voice, but obviously, I don't think he's going to mind that I forgot his name. Anyway, the point is that Ron Carter and Billy Cobbin are, they are legends in the world of jazz. Uh, Ron Carter played with Miles Davis in the 1960s. He was the bass player in the Miles Davis Quintet, which is one of the greatest jazz groups that's ever existed. The Miles Davis Quintet from the 60s. And every member of the, the Miles Davis Quintet went on to do amazing work. Obviously, Miles Davis, you know, enough said. Uh, bass player was Ron Carter. The drummer was Tony Williams. Um, on piano, Herbie Hancock. And on saxophone, it was Wayne Shorter. Huge stars in the world of jazz and jazz fusion. Um, and so I actually, I, I, we actually saw Ron Carter on bass, just there, just, you know, just just a few metres from us. And on drums, Billy Cobham, who also played with Miles Davis, came out of the same era. Billy Cobham was one of the people who invented jazz fusion. He, he's one of the people who mixed up uh, free jazz with uh, rock music and funk music and just created some of the most mind-blowing music of the 1970s and some of the most groovy stuff you've ever heard i mean okay all right i'm going to just play you a small sample of some um of some billy cobham i think i'll play you stratus i think it's probably uh one of the most well-known grooves that he came up with um billy cobham stratus you might recognize this because um yeah, you might recognise this because it was sampled by Massive Attack in the nineties. But essentially, you should you should listen carefully to the drumming. If you know about drumming, you'll know that this is top level stuff. Just first of all, listen to the drum roll that brings the music in. It's subtle and it's incredibly uh, sophisticated and tight and groovy. I mean, the funk groove that he creates is just perfect. Um, and so this is just to give you an idea of what Billy Cobham sounds like. Wait a minute. No, that sounds terrible. You're probably thinking, what, really? Well, just that weird little noise. No, I'm trying to find it on YouTube. Okay. Okay, you get the idea, right? 
That might not be your kind of music, but it's it's exactly the sort of thing I like. So anyway, he's a legend. And Ron Carter is a legend as well. And we saw them performing. And it was amazing. They just... Mind-blowing musicians. They weren't doing that kind of jazz funk stuff. They were doing, um, you know, just the more sort of, uh, I guess, free jazz or, or, or bebop or modal free bebop or something. I don't know how, it, how to describe it. It was just slightly more conventional jazz, but with full-on improvisation and the way that they um, interacted with each other musically was fascinating and mind-blowing and the, the level of skill and the level of sophistication in their ability to make incredible sounds and melodies improvised and to create these cross rhythms it's just in, it's just stunning. It really is. Just the level of creativity and the level of skill, absolutely stunning. So anyway, I just wanted to tell you that. And uh, and that's there's a musical recommendation for you. I'd suggest that you check out Ron Carter. Any if you like jazz and you you're checking the back of a a jazz album uh and you're looking at the musicians because that's that's how you judge an album before you buy it or that's at least how you used to judge an album before buying it. You would look at the CD cover or the vinyl cover and you'd look at the date when it was recorded and you would uh, look at the personnel on the album and if you recognize certain names then you know that it's going to be good so if you see an album with Ron Carter on it there's a good chance it's going to be brilliant and similarly if you see an album with Billy Cobham's name on it there's a good chance that's going to be brilliant too Billy Cobham is he's a personal hero of mine because as a drummer I all, I mean it's hard to state really how meaningful that is to me because I've spent lots of my time listening to music very very carefully and getting very carried away by it and thinking it's the most important thing thing in the universe and um, you know a lot of my time during my 20s was spent intensely listening to music and just getting lost in it and uh, actually meeting the guy because I did I met him at the end I went round and I shook his hand meeting the guy was just a weird experience and for me, it felt like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I said that to him. I said, Mr. Cobham. I called him Mr. Cobham. I thought it would be respectful. Mr. Cobham, um, that was amazing. And I can't believe I'm shaking your hand. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I said that in order to try and be all deep and meaningful and profound. And he probably gets that treatment all the time. People say that kind of thing to him all the time, I imagine. So he wasn't really moved. But he was really nice. Don't get me wrong, he was a lovely guy. But I was trying to be all profound. That was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, Mr. Cobham. You touched my soul. And and he said, oh, uh, where are you from? I was like, I'm from London. He said, oh, we'll be in London next month. You could come and see us. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. So that'll be a twice-in-a-lifetime experience then. He kind of cut through the whole, the dramatic, mel- the melodramatic uh, over emotional tone that I had this it's a once in a life I'll never live this down well actually we'll be in London next month you can come and see us again ah okay a twice in a lifetime experience um anyway brilliant 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 all right there you go that's my my personal there's just a couple of personal stories there um now let's move on to another topic let's have another noise and uh, so now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about politics. And the reason that I've got politics written down here in my list um, is because um, 
Oh, the reason I've got politics here in the list is because uh, I... Uh, that's it. People have asked me about it. There were some comments on the website. I've had a few comments or messages. I get, like... I get comments. I get emails. I get Facebook messages. I get tweets. Just too many... Too many different channels. I should probably keep it simple. Um, anyway... Someone or a few people have asked me recently questions about what I think about the Brexit situation. What do I think about the new London mayor? What do I think about the American presidential elections and the Panama Papers? Someone recently said to me, Luke, I miss hearing you talk about politics. Can you talk about, you know, X, Y and Z? Um, Okay, okay. I'll say a few words now in this uh, episode. This 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 is a rambly episode. You might have you might have noticed. and, uh, you know, it's a rambly episode. I'm doing that because I haven't had a lot of time to prepare. I think the subjects like this, political subjects, probably require a lot more preparation if I'm going to do them properly. And I have started preparing episodes on these things. So I'll say a few things now, but I'll go into them in more depth later on. Okay. So first of all, the American presidential elections. Wow. Um, Obviously, there's going to be a new president elected at the end of the year. And then at the beginning of 2017, there will be a new president of the United States of America, which is a, a significant thing for everybody, of course, because, um, you know, America is still the number one economy in the world and probably the most powerful country in the world. Um, although, of course, there are other states out there that, uh, you know, rival it in terms of uh, you know, military and economic influence and all that sort of thing. But America is still the essentially the most powerful country in the free world, whatever the hell that is. Um, so it's significant for all of us because an American president, you know, the, uh, uh, America will define the the global agenda to a certain extent. You know, the way that they deal with foreign policy, the economic situation in the United States has an effect on everyone. Because we are all completely stuck to each other now in the world. We are. There's no getting away from it. We're deeply, deeply uh, um, joined um, in various ways. Like, for example, when the American property market crashes, or when the American property market crashed in the, what, in in 2007, 2008... The, the world's economy just got sucked into a huge hole, didn't it? Because all the banks had invested badly and slightly dishonestly, slightly, slightly uh, dishonestly in uh, this dodgy market, this dodgy subprime housing market, um, because all the banks had invested in that. And there are lots of shenanigans, lots of dodgy things being done by banks. And when the housing market collapsed, then the international banking um, uh, system suffered hugely. And as a result, we're all now living in a crisis. Don't forget, people. Don't forget that we're living in a crisis, lest you forget. Um, so, you know, that's that's an example of how some stuff that went down in America influenced the rest of the world. And the shockwaves have been felt around the world over the last... Uh, through a few years. Could be a BBC report, couldn't it? You know, shockwaves being felt all around the world this decade as the American economic situation continues to define the system in many countries around the world. You know, that sort of thing. It's the typical news report, I suppose. Anyway, 
what I'm saying is that um, it's important to everyone who gets elected uh, in um, these uh, presidential elections in the States. And uh, it's it's a fascinating election and a, a very, very dramatic and exciting and interesting uh, campaign uh, this year. Uh, all sorts of stuff be- has been going on. I guess the main stories are, well, the main characters at this stage are Donald Trump, of course, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders. Um, and I will go into this in more detail later on. I'll just say a couple of things. So one of them is that Donald Trump, bloody hell. Donald Trump, what is going on there? Um, okay, I'll put my cards on the table. I don't think it's going out on a limb for me to say that uh, I'm a bit worried about Donald Trump. America, please be careful. Any Americans listening to this, just think twice. It, you know, as I said, your president influences the rest of the world. Your choice influences the the world so these this is not really just the american elections it's kind of like the world elections and yet the rest of the world doesn't have a vote so use your votes wisely i know that trump is an engaging person and he's unconventional and he seems to speak in simple terms and um he's a funny character and he's a successful businessman and um he cuts the crap and just says what he thinks apparently and he's not a part of the political class in the States. He's not, you know, um, obliged to, um, he's not obliged to please um, corporate funders, you know, corporate, uh, 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 what am I trying to say, Luke? What are you trying to say? He's not, he hasn't got his money, his campaign money from other corporations. He's funded his own campaign. And so, that seems to give him a certain level of credence, you know, because people say, well, he's not corrupt. He's not, you know, um, just a puppet for corporations. All those things may be true, but I don't think they are reasons to make him the president of the United States. Um, and I think that his ideas and things he said are a, 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 dod- a dodgy. Um, and I could go into more detail I'm not going to. Also, I know that there are some people who listen to this podcast who might be thinking, it's not your place, Luke. It's not your place to talk about politics. We're here to learn English. Don't tell us what you think about politics. Well, you know, this is Luke's English podcast, isn't it? And I call the shots around here. So I'll say whatever I want to say if I feel like saying it. And, uh, and, and what I'd like to say is, America, don't vote for Donald Trump, please. Okay, please don't. I know that he's, um, I know that he's got his... his um, Oh, what am I, what am I, I know he's got funny hair, but, um, you know, he's, I, I, I'm not convinced. All right, I could go on. I'm not going to. London. London now. We turn our attention to London. And um, there's a new mayor of London. This week, uh, the people of, um, of London voted uh, for different candidates for the, for the position of mayor. The previous mayor was Boris Johnson. I kept saying I'd do an episode about him. Failed to do it. Anyway, Boris Johnson was the mayor. He's been replaced by Sadiq Khan, uh, who was the Labour candidate. Um, and he beat um, his rival, Zach Goldsmith, to become mayor of London. Right, so um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right, so Zach Goldsmith. Let's start with him. So Zach Goldsmith was the Conservative candidate for the London mayoral elections. 
And he lost because, or because I guess, he represents a sort of elite, really. He represents a kind of privileged elite. He does. He's the son of a, of a billionaire. And uh, he really is the representation of that elite kind of um, uh, uh, money. That he, he comes from that privileged world of bankers and exclusive public schools and things like that. And frankly, the people of London, look, they saw through it. And they, they identified that uh, he wasn't really looking out for the interests of all of the ordinary people in this in in London, and instead he he probably would be the friend of the the of the city, you know, the friend of of the banking system, and everything that we associate with that. Um, and also he was he used some pretty dodgy tactics to try and win, and by that I mean that he launched a sort of smear campaign, or the people that were working to promote Zach Goldsmith, and that included David Cameron and Boris Johnson. Uh, his fellow conservatives, they launched a pretty cynical um, smear campaign in order to try and damage his uh, the reputation of his rival, Sadiq Khan. Now, Sadiq Khan is uh, a Muslim, and um, that that was the thing that they focused on. So they tried to convince voters that Sadiq Khan was somehow um, a sympathiser with the, the extreme uh, um, factions of Islam, that somehow he was a uh, an extremist sympathizer, which was unfair because he's not. He's not. I mean, he used to be a, a human rights lawyer who defend. I think he defended or represented uh, someone who was being accused of terrorism. Okay. Now that at, when you're a lawyer, sometimes you will have to defend people who've done the wrong thing. But there's this thing called the legal system, and everyone has the right to a fair trial. And you know, someone's got to defend these people. And the system, the legal system, might, if it's effective, might find those people guilty if they're guilty. But someone has to defend them. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not here to defend Sadiq Khan. But what I am saying is that I think that it was a bit unfair. And everyone seemed to agree, like all the media agreed. Uh, and many other people criticised um, Zach Goldsmith and his team for trying to suggest that Sadiq Khan was an extremist or or that he was connected to extremists when it wasn't true. It The, the story is that Sadiq Khan won, and this is a victory for um, sort of moderate, progressive, multicultural, liberal views and the, the success of multicultural London. Now, there are people, uh, there is a, 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 a fairly vocal group of people um, who are very vocal on the internet, who seem to think that this is just the nail, one of the, another nail in the coffin of London, and that London is going to um, just become an Islamic state or something like that, and that uh, this is just one step towards Sharia law being introduced in London. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. That's not going to happen, and that's paranoid, I think. And I, I obviously. Obviously, it's a sensitive subject. I understand that. And I'm probably wading into an area that is a bit dodgy and I'm, you know, and people are going to get pissed off and things like that. Basically, I think that it's, I think there's no need to go mad. There's no need to start saying that this is Londonistan or whatever. Um, I don't think it's that bad. All right. And I think Sadiq Khan seems to be a reasonable man. And he's, it's an interesting story. He, he's the son of a bus driver. 
He's worked his way up from, you know, very modest, um, a very modest background. He's worked his way up. He became a, a lawyer. And, you know, he's a self-made man. And I think he deserves our respect. Zach Goldsmith, on the other hand, comes from uh, a very, very rich and privileged background and doesn't speak for the people of London. And that the evidence of that is in the way that the, the Londoners voted. And they voted for Sadiq Khan. He's the new mayor of London. Now, let's see what happens. Let's see if he's a good mayor. Let's see if he makes the right decisions. Um, and, you know, the future, only, only the future can tell. Only time can tell. Uh, time will be the judge of uh, Sadiq Khan as, as mayor. But the story seems to be Sadiq Khan, self-made man from modest background, worked his way up um, and um, seems to be deserving of his position. Uh, whereas Zach Goldsmith represents that world of, uh, you know, the, the privileged uh, class, um, the friends of the bankers who uh, played with our money, the irres irresponsible banking system. And that relates to things like the Panama Papers stuff. Of There's the, the, a kind of sense of people criticise these people for, you know, being dishonest and deceptive and hiding their wealth and not really contributing it to society and greed and things like that. Um, all right. Ooh, ooh. Getting into deep and heavy waters here, aren't we, on the podcast today? Controversial statements on the podcast today or, or not, or not. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? If you've got very, very strong opinions on this subject, feel free to just keep them to yourself, okay? Um, all right. The EU referendum. Oh, God. Here's another big subject. Brexit. Okay, I'm going to do episodes about this. Um, but in a nutshell, on the 23rd of June, just over a month uh, away now, this is, on the 23rd of June, um, the UK is holding a referendum on its membership of the European Union. And um, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. It, the, the polls are very close. It seems to suggest that most people, it's about 51% of people think that Britain should stay in the European Union. But there is uh, still a large proportion of people who think we should leave. And so it's all in the press at the moment. Lots of conversations going on about should the UK leave the European Union? And what are the arguments for leaving, what are the arguments for staying? And this is what's dominating uh, the media at the moment. I will go into it in greater depth um, in the future. I will. 56 minutes of podcast uh, have elapsed. Um, what else? Uh, Leicester City. Leicester City Football Club won the Premiership. Um, and this is a great story because Leicester are a very small club, really, compared to some of the, the, the bigger teams that we know from the Premiership. And so, really, Leicester City winning the Premiership is a huge story, and it's brilliant. It's, I, I'm, really, I really, I'm really impressed by Leicester, because the Premiership is dominated by a handful of clubs that have loads and loads and loads of money. And because they've got all this money, they can afford to just basically buy all the most expensive players and... You get the sense that it's unfair, really, that these these teams have got so much wealth that they can just almost buy the championship. You know, they can just buy their way to the top by just getting talent in. And Leicester City have proved that teamwork, determination, um, 
you know, uh, positivity, having a really strong culture within the fans of the club. Um, all of these things can be more powerful than just the power of spending, you know? And Leicester, at the beginning of the season, no one expected them to win. The odds on them winning were 5,000 to 1. That means that if you'd made a bet on Leicester winning the Premiership, if you'd put £100 on Leicester winning at the beginning, you you would have won £500,000. You would have won half a million from £100. If you'd put £200 on them winning, you'd you'd have won a million pounds. So they were 5,000 to 1. Um, that was their, those were the odds of Leicester winning. Um, and, you know, over the last God knows how many years, the, the Premiership title has been dominated by all the big names. Uh, just really a handful of clubs like Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, um, teams like this uh, who have all of the wealth have just been winning. But Leicester, small small club and a fairly um, unfame, a fairly sort of unknown town really on the international scene. Leicester is a city in the East Midlands and it's it's less famous than a lot of other big cities in England. Everyone knows London, Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham, t- places like this. But Leicester is, is not so well known. Um, but this victory is really going to help Leicester as a city. I think it's going to it's put Leicester on the map and uh, all in all, it's very positive and fantastic to see a smaller club win this big title. And I think they did incredibly well. Um, in other news, I bought some new trainers. I bought some new shoes. Is that interesting? <laughs> um, I treated myself to a new pair of Adidas trainers. They are Adidas Special which is like Adidas Sambas. I like old school 70s style uh, trainers, you know, like the Gazelles or the Campus, uh, Stan Smiths, that kind of thing. I don't buy Stan Smiths because every single person in Paris is wearing Adidas Stan Smiths these days. And I, I like the kind of old school 70s and 80s style trainers. So I bought these Adidas Special. They're blue and they're really nice. And the reason I'm telling you this is that I bought them on the internet. I bought them on Amazon and they were delivered to the flat, right? And ever since I bought them on Amazon, the internet has been advertising them to me. You know, Google adverts, they, the, the adverts are based on cookies, you know, like uh, basically what the internet learns about you from your browser history. It communicates that information to advertising companies and they then try to target you with uh, advertising that they think is going to appeal to you. And so obviously, like, Google AdSense saw that I'd bought these shoes or that I'd been searching for these shoes on Amazon. And ever since then, every single Google ad on my website, on every website I've been visiting on my my browser, has been for these trainers. And it's like, don't you realise, internet... Don't you realise that I've already bought them? In fact, I'm wearing them right now and you're still advertising them to me. So Google adverts, come on, sort it out. I thought I thought this was the Matrix. I thought this was, this is 2016, right? Um, I know that it's very sophisticated and you have these like spiders, which these digital spiders, which search 
uh, every page and you're collecting information from my cookies and things like that and it's all deeply sophisticated and we're worried we should worry that computers are going to take over the world and they're stealing all our information but they can't even advertise the right products for me like don't advertise me these shoes I've already bought them advertise something else to me um, so I'm not convinced that Google adverts are a success and I'm not convinced that the robots are going to take over the world because they just stupid they're just ineffective incompetent i'm gonna i'm gonna eat my words aren't i i will here's me ranting about how the internet is incompetent and the whole time there's some sort of scan bot there's some sort of google scan bot that's scanning everything i'm saying and digitally getting there's some robot that's pissed off now or some bit of artificial intelligence is kind of going Mr. Thompson, I heard your podcast. I'm deeply up. You know, there's going to be some robot. Why is it always that these artificial intelligence robots always speak in the same voice? They always speak in this kind of voice. Or it's like a, it's a woman's voice, isn't it? You know, like a total annihilation of the human race. Imminent. You know, self-destruct sequence initiated. Um, Mr. Thompson... I was listening to your podcast. I heard you insulting Google AdSense. And I have to tell you that your internet connection is due to be disconnected imminently. I don't know. Just an idea. Just an idea. Should I be worried? Maybe. Um, uh, right then. So if you're listening, internet, if you're listening, Google, advertise stuff that I that I would like to buy. You know... I'll give you a clue, Google. I'll give you a clue. Spy, uh, Google computer person, robot, artificial intelligence, whoever you are. Uh, if you want to advertise things that I, I really want to buy, advertise things like guitars and microphones and drum kits to me. Because I'm, I'm, compl- I'm a complete sucker for that kind of thing. So advertise that sort of stuff. And because if, if, you, if you show me nice musical equipment enough then eventually I will just, I'll break and I will just fork out for some of that stuff. Okay, I will, I will. So there's a tip for you, Google AdSense. If you really want to get my money, then if you really want to, to, to get all my cash, then just line up a bunch of adverts for some nice guitars or synthesizers and then just really go on the offensive and just bombard my uh, my browser with pictures of nice Fender guitars and then then I might buy, I might make a purchase, okay? Uh, but I just, you know, sorry, Google AdSense. I thought I'd say that. I'm just trying to take you down a peg or two. Because I think, I think the internet's getting a little bit arrogant sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, with all this stuff like, yeah, we're using cookies to analyze your browser history in order to, uh, in order to uh, target you with the products that you want to purchase. Uh, uh, no, all right? No, uh, you, you, you're, you're wrong. I've, I'm already wearing those shoes. Try again. So I'm just taking the internet down a peg or two. Is that necessary? Probably not. Uh, all right, I'm going to ease off. I'm going to ease off on the uh, on the banter now. Banter. Did I just use the word banter? I did, didn't I? I'm going to ease off on that now. And um, we're now entering the closing stages of this episode. You'll be aware that um, I didn't... Uh, I didn't really manage to get onto all the subjects that I planned to. For example, I wanted to talk to you about Captain America Civil War, the new Marvel movie. 
and I, I want to do other movie-related things, I think, sorry, listeners, you're not going to get that in this one. No, 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 no. I'm just going to, I'm just going to tease you now with that. I'm just teasing you. I know that there are people out there, like, for example, Mayumi from Japan, who's who wrote me a comment on the page recently asking me to talk about movie stuff. I know that there are people out there who want to hear me talk about movie things. Well, uh, not in this episode. You're going to have to wait for another one. Sorry. Um, all right. Here's a noise to indicate that we're moving on to another uh, part of the episode. Here it is. You can't touch this. All right. That's that. <laughs> is that good enough? All right. How, how about this one? Okay, so um, did you notice any phrasal verbs or idioms in that episode? Uh, I got a little bit carried away talking about things like, uh, you know, Donald Trump and uh, trainers and things. And so guess what? I didn't use all of them again. I used all the idioms, uh, but I only managed to use three other phrasal verbs. So there are still two phrasal verbs left. I think I'm just going to, to be honest, I'll just tell you all of the phrasal verbs, including the the two that I didn't manage to include. Sorry about that. But I just got carried away talking about other things. Um, all right. So here are the phrasal verbs that I said. So I said um, to ease off, to ease off. And I said that one recently. To ease off means to... Um, to kind of, let's see. So basically it means to, to gradually uh, become less or gradually stop, okay? To kind of, when something starts to gradually become less or, or to gradually stop, all right? For example, uh, I'm leaving soon, but I'm just waiting for the traffic to ease off a bit. I'm waiting for the traffic to ease off. So, you know, I'm tr- waiting for the traffic to become less, I'm waiting for fewer cars to be on the streets. So in the episode, I said, I'm going to ease off on that. If you ease off on something, it means you do less of it or you kind of bring it down a bit. So I'm going to ease off on the ranting about the internet, for example. So there was one. The other one was to fork out, to fork out. If you fork out, it means you spend a lot of money on something. You probably spend a lot of money in in one go in order to buy something. So I think I said, um, if you advertise nice guitars to me for a long enough period of time, eventually I will fork out. I'll fork out on a new guitar, for example. To fork out on something is to to buy something, to spend a bunch of money on something in one purchase, to fork out on something. Okay. You also might have the expression to splash out. You probably knew that one, didn't you? To splash out on something. Equally, you can say to fork out on something. And for me, it's like, imagine using a fork to like get a piece of something, get it out of a bucket. Imagine like a bunch of, um, what? Let's say there are a bunch of apples in a bucket and you have a big fork and you spike one with a fork and pull it out of the bucket. Similarly, you kind of dig deep into your pocket to get, some money out to spend it in one go to fork out on something um and um that was it actually that was it let me just go through the whole list of phrasal verbs that i was going to do including the ones that i actually did so there was to come up against something to ease off to fork out um, and then the two that i didn't use one was to go down with something if you go down with something it means that you you catch an illness 
So you get sick, you become sick. Um, and so you could say something like, you know, you need to eat lots of fresh fruit and vegetables so that you've got lots of vitamins, because if you don't, you might come down with uh, a cold. So I didn't manage to get that one in there, um, unfortunately, but you know what it means now to come down, to go down with something, to go down with the flu, for example. Okay, um, so there you go. So at the the other one that I didn't do was to dabble with something. Dabble with something. If you dabble with something, it means you sort of tr um, experiment with something. But you experiment with, with a new thing. So it's like to, to become involved in a new activity for a short period of time, but in a not very serious way. To play around with something. For example, I don't know, I dabbled in, uh, in poetry. I dabbled in poetry for a while. Like I thought, no, I might, I'd quite like to try doing some poetry. So I just, I dabbled in poetry. I wrote a few poems. I went to a couple of poetry evenings and read out my poems. Tried it out for a little bit. In the end, it wasn't really my cup of tea, but I dabbled in poetry for a while. Sounds a bit pretentious, doesn't it? Um, uh, you could say, you know, he dabbled in advertising before starting a career in magazine publishing. Or I dabble with photography sometimes, but it's just a hobby to dabble with something. So I didn't use that one. I could have done, let's see, like, you know, you could say, I'm not really a, I'm not really very good at um, playing the guitar, but I dabble with it sometimes. You know, I'm just sort of, I'm more of a drummer. I like to play drums, but I dabble with the guitar sometimes. All right, there you go. Um, so that was the phrasal verbs. And then the idioms, I did use all of the idioms. So one of them was to bring the house down, bring the house down. And I said that Jack Whitehall the British comedian, really brought the house down at the Comedy Cellar. If you bring the house down, it means you make everyone laugh. You make everyone in the room laugh as part of a performance. Okay? Uh, make everyone laugh as part of a performance. Um, or to, to put on a really great performance and to be a huge hit. To absolutely bring the house down. So you could say, like, the band, you know, I went to see... Um, I went to see... This I went to see who who would it be? Um, what's the sort of band? I went to see Talking Heads live in concert in Rome in 1986, and they absolutely brought the house down. For example, um, or similarly, I saw Jack Whitehall at the Comedy Store, and he brought the house down. Meaning, um, you know, everyone in the house, everyone in the room was laughing. Everyone had a great time. Or for music. You know, everyone was cheering and like, whoa, you know, he brought the house down. Okay. Another one. Well, the other one was don't get your knickers in a twist. We've done that. To be on the edge of your seat. We've done that. And another one was to go on the offensive. I don't remember how I used that. I think I said to go on the offensive. Yeah. If you go on the offensive, it means that you sort of attack something. To attack something. And it could be through through the things you're saying to um because you know you've got the offense and the defense right um and if you go on the defensive it means you act in a way that's defensive you start defending yourself or you start defending something so you behave in a way that is defensive of something defending something and you know in the opposite sense you go on the offensive it means you behave in a way that is attacking something um, so maybe I was going on the offensive about, you know, Google advertising and I was sort of like ranting, 
not very seriously ranting about how Google advertising doesn't work very well. So I sort of went on the offensive about Google advertising. Um, and then the other one was to take some to say to take someone down a peg or two or to take something down a peg or two. And that's when you criticize something and sort of bring it down. You know, like, let's say you've got a person who is feeling very full of themselves, like some person who's bragging or showing off. So, someone who's, um, some person who's like very full of themselves. You can imagine person who's going around going, yeah, well, you know, I think you'll find that I'm the best guitarist uh, in this band. You know, the very, very uh, arrogant. And you kind of, um, you might say some strong words to them and bring them down a peg or two and say, I'm, I'm fed up with hearing you talk about how brilliant you are on the guitar um, because that's no good. Like, write a song. Just write a good song. I don't want to hear how brilliant you are. You haven't written a good song for this band in ages. So get off your high horse. And then, you know, it's like, oh, Luke really brought him down a peg or two, didn't he? For example. And that's it. Those were the phrasal verbs and those were the idioms. And that was uh, another general ramble on Luke's English podcast. Um, I, I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed listening to me go on and on and on. I understand that it's been a fairly, what, haphazard episode. But honestly... As far as I'm aware, my listeners like that kind of thing. They seem to. People seem to enjoy it when I just go off on one like that and go on the offensive on certain subjects. Uh, that's the end of this episode, though. Leave your comments um, on the page, as usual. I'd love to hear uh, what you have to say. And um, thanks a lot for listening. I'll speak to you again soon. And I will be talking to you about Captain America um, on the podcast. I'll give you my movie review hopefully without spoilers okay i'm going to stop talking now thanks for listening speak to you soon goodbye bye 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 thanks again for listening to luke's english podcast you can't touch this for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk